This is a series on spiritual gifts, and there are a lot of different attitudes concerning spiritual gifts. Um, this is the second sermon that I've done in this series. Um, the first one was a couple weeks ago, then we had the conference. By the way, I know, I know there are a lot of questions about the conference, and that's not where I want to be. It'll come to us. There we go. And uh, I know there are a lot of questions. Kathy mentioned this uh, in the announcements. If you have questions, um, just take a photo of the QR code. It'll take you to the website that will uh, allow you to enter questions. Um, some of you are like, I, I don't know what he's talking about. QR code and a picture. Take your phone, take a picture. It'll give you a little pop-up thing that'll take you to where the questions are. And just fill out any questions that you might have. I won't address all of them. <laughs> I'll pick the ones I can answer, <laughs> and then uh, we'll go from there. But uh, we'll also have an open question and answer time. Uh, but it, it, I think these will give us a, a framework to, to, to work from. So please do that. Come this Wednesday night, 6.30, here in the sanctuary. Uh, we'll have short worship time and the time of question and answer. Uh, let me just, I, I'll just give you a kind of lead in. I know there were some, we have people in our church right now, some who were like healed, delivered, uh, set free, filled by the power of the Spirit. Just it, it, for them, everything was just awesome. And how could you not think that was awesome, right? If you've been healed, if you're sick and you've been made well, if you, you need the power of God in your life and you, you feel his presence or uh, direction, whatever the case may be. There are others who, like, this was their first experience in this kind of setting. And so they have questions like, um, what the heck was that uh, kind of thing? I mean, it, it goes the whole, the whole gamut. And so we want to kind of uh, help those who are, are, are both may have theological issues or questions about where, where is that in the Bible um, to um, celebrate those who received right? That's the mature response, I think. And so we're all trying to grow in maturity, grow in faith, grow in understanding. So uh, as best I can on Wednesday night, just, just come and I'll answer some of those questions. Um, today, though, I want to focus again on spiritual gifts and the need for spiritual gifts within the body of Christ. Uh, this is not... Um, this is not an optional thing that I see, uh, the whole idea of spiritual gifts. Uh, Paul says that we are to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. One way of putting that is we are to passionately pursue them. Uh, it, there are reasons why God has given these gifts. Hey, if you're with me, uh, don't, you, don't you think that God has a gift for you that it would be a good thing? Right? If he wants to give you a gift, says, um, you know, here, Tony, here's this gift. And you say, no, no, I don't really want that. No, thank you. Why? Uh, why would you, we back off? Well, because for some of us, it makes us feel uncomfortable. We don't, you know, spirit, the whole thing about spiritual gifts. Come on now, uh, let's be honest. Is the whole idea of speaking in tongues and interpretation of tongues not a little bit uncomfortable at times? 
Haven't you ever been in a room where someone starts speaking in tongues and you just, you start sweating? Kind of like, I, I, don't, I don't know, kind of thing. God, you know, for a long time, honestly, I was like, God, I believe in spiritual gifts. I'll take any of these, any of these more acceptable ones. Um, I don't want the ones where I look stupid. I'd, I'd prefer not to have one of these. But you know what? It reached a point in my life where I said, God, whatever you give me, I'll take. Um, I'll look foolish in you, the world's eyes to be blessed in yours and therefore to build up the body of Christ. I mean, come on. We've got to get over ourselves at some point to say, you know what? It's more important what God says and does in my life than what I want to look like. I want to passionately pursue, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And that's where I want us to be, to understand what it is, where we're headed. There's a lot of debate within the context of the church. I'm not going to answer all the questions today, but hopefully over the next three weeks, I'll answer some of the bulk of questions about our gifts, all gifts available today, and how do they work. And then we'll get into some specific uh, discussions of the various gifts. And we have a great summer lined up. Really, I know summer at church, most churches like, you know, they, they tank. Uh, people are on vacation. They feel like, oh, it's summer. Let's take a break. I don't think you're going to want to do that. We have some great um, people speaking, Chase and um, uh, Scott and Gabriel and what's his name. They're all speaking. <laughs> <laughs> so Reed, I'm kidding with Reed, he's not here, so I can kid with him, or speaking. Um, it's going to be a great summer uh, to, to hear from people of God. So why, why spiritual gifts? Well, because we're Christians, because we're followers of Jesus Christ, because we've been given the Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 4, and I, really, hang on to Romans 12, I am going to get there. Ephesians 4, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Each one. Everyone. Look at, I mean, look around. If you're a Christian, you need to know about spiritual gifts because to you and to each one around you, spiritual gifts have been given. Christ apportioned it. God gave it, but he's given it to each of us. But to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Here's a premise that I think is critical, is that every single follower of Jesus Christ who has the Spirit of God indwelling them, and I believe every single follower of Jesus Christ has the Spirit of God indwelling them, has been given a spiritual gift. You have a gift of some sort. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And if we're going to be good stewards of what God has given us, then we need to operate within the gift that he's blessed us with. Each one should use whatever gift he has. <clears throat> Here's my contention in the church. Sorry, I'm getting all choked up about this. There are a lot of people who recognize they've got a gift, but they refuse to use it. Why? Because it's so inconvenient. You know, I, I, I might have to get out of my chair. I might have to go to church. I might have to talk to someone. 
I might have to work within the context of the body of Christ. I might have to, I might have to do something during the week. I mean, really, we, we are so self-centered that we, we like the idea of the spiritual gift and think it's there just to bless us. And it's not. If we're going to be good stewards of what God has given us, we need to use whatever gift we've received to do what? It's underlined. I, I, this is not a trick question. Uh, it's right there. It's underlined. Uh, to serve others, not to bless ourselves. Faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. We talk a lot about proper stewardship here at Fullness, that God is the one who's in control. Jesus is the Lord, the leader of our lives. I'm going to start preaching here in a second because I, I think we're all screwed up. I mean, everyone. Everyone here is screwed up. Why? Because we're American. We have a certain system, a way of thinking that permeates us. And if we're not, we can't help it. Because the world is pushing on you an agenda. And, and by the way, you think it's a political agenda. Maybe you think it's a gay rights agenda. Maybe you think it's this agenda. But the American dream agenda of achieving and receiving, getting all you can, holding on to it because it's yours, um, that, that dream permeates all of us. And it's a self-centered, me-driven aspect. We have trouble. We really do, understanding that to serve others is the call of our lives. To faithfully administer God's grace in its various forms, that's what it means to be a good steward. And if we ever want to be the church that God is calling us to be, then we need to walk in spiritual gifts. No church will be what it's supposed to be if it's not walking in the spiritual gifts that God has given us. We want to be built up. Because it's all given for the common good. It's all about us together and spiritual gifts. Am I, am I doing any kind of job of convincing you this is a big deal? You know, not, my persuasive speech skills have dipped if I haven't at least gotten you stirred up a little bit to say this is an important topic. Paul is addressing the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12.1 when he says, Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. What is the implication here? They're ignorant. You know, he's saying, don't be ignoramuses about this spiritual gift topic. Could we not say that to the church as a whole today? Don't be ignorant about spiritual gifts. This is a big deal. This is an important topic. You need to be informed. Why? Because... It builds up the body of Christ. Was the body of Christ a big deal? We would say yes, because it displays to the world the manifest glory and truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. We need spiritual gifts. So, you got Romans 12? I told you I was coming back to it. Here we go. Romans 12. This is God's way for finding God's will. How many of you would say, you know, I want God's will for my life? Go ahead, raise your hands. How many of you want God's will for your life? I hear this all the time. If I just knew God's will, I'd do it. If I knew God's will for my life, I'd walk in it. And it's, it's as if there's this 
hidden secret that God is keeping from you about his will for your life. I mean, that's what we think. I just need to keep exploring. I, I need to keep on this treasure hunt till I find God's will for my life. And I want to say God has clearly displayed his will for your life. He's got a way for you to discover his will. And I think part of it here is in Romans 12, 12. You'll, you'll see it as you, if you'll just read the whole chapter of Romans 12, you'll get it. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You may be saying to yourself, wow, this is a big jump. You've been talking all about spiritual gifts, and now you're talking about God's will. What is the connection? Trust me, I'm going to get there. But just hang on for the journey for just a second. He says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... I'm going to try not to preach for an hour on this first point. But whenever you see therefore in the Bible, what are you supposed to ask yourself? I know it's corny. What is it there for? Yeah, thanks. Preachers have used this for ever since I was little uh, to kind of try to get people engaged thinking it's cute. Uh, but it, it's a transitional word, basically looking back, but at the same time looking forward. And Paul is transitioning here. And what he says in this verse is based on 11 chapters of brilliance and revelation in Romans 1 through 11. I mean, the, the way it, it's all about um, man's sin and God's faithfulness and how God delivered us and we all walk into this uh, relationship with God because of faith, not because of anything we do. Um, he talks about the nature of grace and sin and, and how we have been recipients of it. He talks about God's purpose for the nation of Israel, kind of like, is God done with the nation of Israel if this is all about the Gentiles? And then in 9, 10, and 11, he gives some of the most complicated theology in the Bible that people are still arguing about, but basically comes to the place to say, God is not done with Israel. And then he closes out, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom of God. His ways are beyond tracing out. He, he, he goes on in this beautiful doxology at the end of chapter 11 about how glorious and great God is. And then he says, therefore, based on all of this, I urge you in view of God's mercy... Here, here's, the, here's the basis of this whole passage. It's in, it's in light of the mercy of God. Everything he's asking us to do is in view of God's mercy. Here's why I say this. If you lose sight, if you lose the view of the mercy of God, you're, you're messed up. I, I, I'm not recommending this. But I'm walking, watching this documentary on the Duggar family. You may 
Another soccer game is called Shiny Happy People. Here's the one thing I can tell you from watching it. They lost sight of the view of God's mercy. And when you substitute God's mercy with legalism, you end up with death every single time. Every single, it, it is a, I believe Paul says it back in Romans 7, whenever you go back to living the legalistic life, you're, 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 you're going back to a life that God has freed you from. Instead, don't walk in legalism, walk in grace. And there's always, always, always the pull to go back to legalism. That's the nature of humanity, to go back to having to obey the rules, setting rules, hierarchical structures, ways that you can do things and not do things. And if you ever lose view of God's mercy, you've lost the joy of the journey with God. So what do we do in view of God's mercy? Offer your bodies. Offer your bodies as what? Living sacrifices. The whole sacrificial system was based on trying to get a right relationship with God. Now he's saying, hey, God did it for you already. But in turn, what you do is you give yourself. As a spiritual act of worship. This is, this is holy and pleasing to God. It's your spiritual act of worship. You want to know how to worship on Sunday morning? It has very little about the, the great songs that we sing or even the lifting of your hands. You, you could come in here and go through the motions, lift your hands, sing, listen, respond, give. But that's not the heart of worship. The heart of worship is offering yourself. God, here I am. That's why we do offering like we do. When you bring your offering, your prayer card, this, it's not about you funding the club. That's not, that's not the goal. I mean, we, we do need money to keep moving forward, but that is not the goal. The goal is you saying this small part, it's called pars pro toto. It means this small part represents all of me. This is me. This is my spiritual act of worship, saying, God, here I am again. Here I am to worship you. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to call you Lord. You're the one in charge of my life. It's the demand of this. What God has done, the demand is this. Okay, I give everything I am. <clears throat> Let me just say this, by the way. Here's the idea. You know, you come and lay yourself on the altar to say, God, take me. And for some of us, it's like, here I am, Lord. You've got me Sunday from 10 to 1130. Then we crawl back off the altar and we go live the lives we want to live. Thinking that, okay, I'll come back again next Sunday. Give my hour and a half, crawl back up on the altar no, no, the sacrifice says, that's it, I'm dead to me. I'm giving myself to you. Every moment of every day. He goes on and says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In this, you have, you have a negative, do not, and a positive, but be. Do not what? conform to the pattern of this world. Do you think 
Paul may be saying this because the tendency of our hearts is to conform. Is it not the leaning to conform? The easy path, the broad path, is the conformity path. The hard path is the transformed path. But be transformed. The word here for transformed is the word uh, in the Greek from which we get the word metamorphosis, to be changed. Um, Dave and I were laughing the other day. He has this cartoon he sent me. Um, it's a, I don't know if you can see it and read it. It's a little blurry, but the butterfly's been pulled over and he's presented his license, which is of a cocoon or a worm. And the butterfly says, it's an old picture. <laughs> You've been transformed. You've been changed. You are not who you were. Uh, I, if you've been transformed, here's the idea. If you've been transformed, you can't go back. The butterfly can't say, you know what, I really like the worm life. I think, I hate this flying around. I like just planted on the leaf, munching down all day, every day. This flying around thing, it's for the birds. Uh, thanks. It took me a long time to get there, but I got there. Thanks. <laughs> you can't go back. God has set you free. He's changed you. You've been transformed. Let the transformation be complete. Let him renew your mind. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. Celebrate that transformation. We're reflecting the glory of God. That's who we are. We're, we, our faces are unveiled. God has a plan and a purpose for us. We're destined for glory. You are destined for the very throne room of God. Let that transformation be worked in your life. I hope I'm encouraging you to think of yourself as something more than what the devil is trying to tell you you are right now. Don't agree with him. Instead, let the transformation be worked in your life. Because... I, I, here's the effect. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You, you want to know God's will for your life? Lean into the mercy of God. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Let the transformation of God be at work in your life. Because... In that, you'll discover God's will for who you are. So God's way for finding God's will is this. Offer your bodies. Receive his mercy. Be transformed. Then, he moves forward and says God's will for acting God's way. Here, once you discover God's will, he then asks you to step out in faith. He goes, I'm continuing Romans 12. This is verses 3 through 5. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the other. 
if you're sharp, you're getting where I'm going with this whole idea of God's will. I think you can maybe see the path ahead a little bit. But the first thing he says is this. If you want to act according to God's will in your life, act with sober judgment. With sober judgment. What does that mean? Don't think more of you than you should think. You're the living sacrifice. You put yourself on the altar of of grace by his mercy. You're being transformed. Don't think you're so special in the sense of it's you, but rather God. Again, this is a crippling mindset of Americans is that we think we are God's gift to the world because we're American. And we, this, this attitude just permeates down all over. I mean, if you study, if you do any studies over the last 20 to 30 years on the education system in America, we still think we have the best education system in the world. Ask any student, and they, they feel great about themselves. They, they feel good about their math skills and their science skills and their English skills. And, 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 and we as parents are just, yeah, Mike, we're special and we're doing terrible. We keep dropping by world standards of education because we don't think rightly of ourselves. Instead, we're still of those age. We give every little boy, every little girl a trophy just for trotting out on the field. I mean, because it's not about the win or lose. Look, I'm, I'm not hammering. I guess I am. I, 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 <clears throat> the whole sports culture in America, I think it's, it just permeates every part of our culture that it's important to build up someone's self-worth as if that is the most important thing. And I would say that it, it, it results in a society who can't think accurately about themselves. They have no so we have no sober sober junk uh, judgment. Why? Because we are drunk with pride. Therefore, we can't think rightly about ourselves. C.S. Lewis says true humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. And there's an aspect that we need to to understand this sober judgment. If we're going to discover God's will, then we need to understand who we are and what God has done in our lives, and we glorify in him. Think of yourself with sober judgment. And he goes on and says, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Think realistically about you, but more importantly, walk in what God has done in your life, this measure of faith. A lot of debate over what is this term, measure of faith. Is it um, saving faith? Is it the faith? I think it has to do strict, I think it's really coming down to discuss spiritual gifts. This is the very next thing he's going to talk about is spiritual gifts. It's as if he's saying God has gifted you. God has gifted you with this special gift, this measure of faith, this sphere of influence, the, the, the different gift he's given. Now, Understand it. Walk in. You want to discover God's will for your life? Walk in the measure of faith that he's given you. But instead, what do we do? We're not happy. We're, we're not, 
we don't really, in sober judgment, receive the sphere of influence or the measure of faith that God has given us. Instead, what we do is we say, well, look how special they are. I want what they have. You know, we're just a bunch of whiny babies. Saying, my, I don't know, my grandkids are listening, but I have a grandson, and every time he says, like, I'm, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I want to be in the mountains. I want to be here. I want this. I want that. He's always measuring where he is with where someone else is. Some of us do that now. I mean, we, get, we get jealous if somebody else has a different spiritual gift that, than us that we want to walk in or God is doing something. Rather than celebrating and rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn, we can't get over ourselves. And instead, we judge what God is doing in me based on what God is doing in you. And I, we have to quit it. It has to stop. Instead, with sober judgment, we say, God, in, with my measure of faith, with the gift you've given me, with what's going on in my life, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? As long as you compare yourself with yourself or compare yourself with another you're going to fall short, but if you stay in this measure of faith that God has given you, you're in a walk to maturity. You're in a walk to discovering God's will for your life. And we need it because we're his body. And as his body, we therefore walk out his purposes. So here's the whole point of the whole sermon this morning, in case you're wondering. He goes on and says... Right after this, we have different gifts according to this grace, this measure of faith, I think, according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it to, in proportion with his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Romans 12 is one of the three places in the Bible where spiritual gifts are listed out. And I believe that what Paul is saying is, you want to discover God's will for your life in view of God's mercy? Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then launch out in the spiritual giftedness he's got for you. In doing what God has gifted you to do in your measure of faith, you'll discover God's will for your life. Could it be that we're not discovering God's will for our lives because we're so closed-handed? Some of us say this, as soon as I discover God's minute path for every minute of my life, then I'll step out. And I believe God is saying, look, look at all I've done for you. Look at where you are. Offer yourself. Start stepping out and I'll show you the way ahead. Start using what I've given you now and I'll give you more. Faithful with little and trusted with much. If I want to know where I'm headed, take the step I've got. In the days ahead, we're going to look more specifically at spiritual gifts. But right now, what I want us to understand is that every single person in here, by the mercy of God, 
has received Jesus, has received the Holy Spirit, and a spiritual gift. Maybe more than one. Walk in this. Receive the glory that God has for you. When we come to the table, what we're saying is we who are so different, we who are so giftedly different, my gift, my life is for the body of Christ. When I, when I come to recognize the sacrifice of Jesus, what I'm saying is God put me on the altar. Here I am. I'm going to receive your body, which was broken for me. I'm going to receive the cup, which is the new covenant in your blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of my sins. I want to receive everything you have for me, and I want to walk according to your good, pleasing, and perfect will for my life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? People, this is not just a symbol or a ritual that we go through. When we come to the table of the Lord, at some level, we're participating. We're engaged in what Christ has done for us. And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. At some level, coming to the table in a manner that's unworthy is, is a division of the body, not a unification of the body. And the unification of the body in this local context is you saying, I've been gifted, I'm a sacrifice, God, may I walk in your giftedness to build up the people around me. The mature says this, not what can I get, but what can I give? How can I give my life away? And these are the people you've planted in my life for me to give my life to. How do I do it? Well, one way for sure is by using the gift that he's blessed you with. So as you come to the table of the Lord, and by the way, if you're a guest here, you're invited to the table as well. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a part of the body of Christ, and we welcome you to participate with us. Come and get the elements, the bread and the cup. Our elders and staff and wives will be here to distribute it. Uh, middle sections will come down the middle section, outside sections down the outside aisles. Take, get the bread, get the cup, Take it back to your place. Just pray for a minute. Meditate for a minute. Ask God, what is the gift that you've given me that you want me to walk in? God, how do I participate in the body of Christ in a greater way as I take of this bread? And Lord, thank you for the new covenant in your blood, the mercy that you've given me. I receive that as well. And then Gabe will come up and he'll lead us in taking of the Lord's table together. Then after we do, we'll sing a song of worship that God uh, will direct us in. Use these next couple of minutes to reflect and remember and receive. Come to the table of the Lord.
night that Christ was betrayed, he took the bread and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. And he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is said for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. <laughs> 